welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Um, Go with me to the book of Judges, chapter 16, verse 26. And we're going to read just a few verses, Judges 16, 26, and then we'll hop over to Acts 26, 19. So the Bible says, <clears throat> Judges 16, 26, And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women, and beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord, just pause right there just in the worst moments in the most difficult times in every challenge don't call your friend don't don't call a, a buddy that's going to just tell you what you want to hear a friend don't don't go to society for answers don't go to your instagram for answers come on your facebook is it's just going to lie to you go to god go to the source in his di- most difficult moment the most challenging moment samson did what he knew how to do. He called into the Lord and said, Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once. One more time, he said, one more time, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And if you go to Acts 26, 19, Paul speaking here, he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And I want to preach with that title, the heavenly vision. Put your Bibles aside and let us pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing us, God, for all that you've done. For all that you continue to do, God, for all that is to come, we ask, God, that you prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, Lord Jesus. Remove whatever confusion exists, God, whatever conflict exists, God, whatever opposing thought exists, Lord Jesus. Remove it, Father, that we may be connected to you, God, connected to your presence, God, and your will and your word today. In the name of Jesus, use this vessel, Lord God, to speak to your people, Father that we may receive the word from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. The heavenly vision, you may be seated. Um, uh, Some studies had been done about um, uh, trauma that people went through and specifically trauma having to do with, uh, with conflict of nations and wars and such. And they looked at World War II with uh, the Nazi death camps and uh, the Korean War with POWs and um, uh, the Vietnam War and even recently all the, all the wars in the Middle East. And they were studying the factors that made it so that some people survived and some people didn't. Uh, they looked at things like... Uh, uh, health and uh, vitality and family structure. They looked at the individual's intellect and uh, and their 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 survival instinct even. And and they went deep because the 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 thought was if they can figure out what makes people tick, what presses people beyond those difficult times, well then we have a a, a tremendous answer there uh, when considering how for us to uh, how we can move forward. And they found that none of these factors was primarily responsible for the survival of a person to to go through some of these traumatic experiences and uh, they understood that one of the most significant factors the 
singular thing, most important, was a vision for a better future. So that means no matter how smart they were or how big their family was or how big and strong, the thing that guaranteed their success, the thing that would take them beyond the trauma they were living, the difficulty they were living, that, 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 that a crazy time was a vision of a better future. It was the immovable conviction of those that survived, that, that took them beyond their current circumstances and to focus on a mission that they needed to complete. They were focused on a purpose that their life had. Even the prisoners of war in Vietnam specifically, they looked in, in deeply into these, into these factors and they found that it was that convincing vision of a greater future that kept them through these traumatic experiences. And it, com it connects to our lives because perhaps our battles are not physical and our war is not physical and our experiences perhaps are not like this, but we are in a battle. We are in a war. Brother, sister, I hate to tell you that your enemy is not coasting to the end of the year. Your enemy is not sitting back and saying, you know what, well, this is just a peaceful time. And even if around us we don't see bombs going on in the spirit, there is a battle. There is a conflict. A conflict. And what is going to awaken you and press you forward, brother, sister, is not your physical strength. It's not how nice you can sing. It's not how great you can dress. It's not the way that you comb your hair what will take us forward, what will move us beyond, hallelujah, this current uh, 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 battle and this current time is a vision of a better future. I'm here to tell you that there's a heavenly vision for your life, that with all the good intentions that you have and all the good plans that you can have and all the great things that you can imagine, there's a better plan for your life. God has a vision for what you should be. God has a vision for where you should go. And I feel in my spirit oh, that our enemy has tried to convince us that this is good enough. The songs you sang are good enough. The messages you've heard are good enough. The conferences we had are good enough. If your enemy can convince you that there's nothing better to come, he will convince you to sit down and to not fight as you should and not, not move as you should. Should. If he wants to steal the motivation of a church, he must convince them that there's nothing better to live for. Well, I'm here to wake somebody up and tell him the best is yet to come. The vision of God is greater. The great things that he can fulfill are before us, not behind us. I'm here to tell you, singers, your best song hasn't been sung. Musicians, your best song hasn't been played. Preachers, your best message hasn't been preached. Church, your best time hasn't been left. Oh, the there's a heavenly vision for this church, for your life, and it is yet to come. If you believe that, clap your hands with me today. Oh, come on, your enemy wants to convince you that, you know what, it's all right. You just come and you just relax and you just sit down and you just, you know, throw some air. But I'm here to wake you up in the spirit. There is more for us to do. There is more territory to overcome. There are souls to save from a burning fire. Oh, brother, sister, there's anointing to be poured out. God is calling this church to see the heavenly vision, to see and feel where God wants to take us. 
John 14, 12, Jesus speaking to us through the ages. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. The beginning of that scripture, the introduction to accessing the miracle is belief. I can't get anywhere with you if you cannot believe because it's not my word, it's the word of God. It's not my, hallelujah, message, it's God's message. It's not my path, it's God's path. Brother, sister, friend that's visiting us, I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm not asking you to put your confidence in me. Set your eyes on the Lord, the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one who called you. He's the one who saved you. He's the one who lifted you up and brought you to this place. Believe on me, says the Lord. So before we get anywhere, we must be willing to believe again. And I'm not talking about mediocrity where we believe just enough to get us to the next Sunday, just enough to get to the next conference, just enough so that I don't slip and fall and look bad in front of the rest of the church. I'm talking about an absolute belief. Brother, sister, where you believe the God of the Bible, not the God of society, not the God of a government, not the God of a system, but the God that created heavens and earth, the God that made you a royal priesthood, the God that called you are peculiar people. I'm talking about the God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe. That's the God I'm talking about today. I get passionate about this because I feel like uh, 2022 and, and, and all that we're living in has diminished the belief of many. You believe just enough to make it. But his statement is absolute. He says, if you believe on me, the works that I do, shall you do. What works are we talking about? Well, John 2, the Bible says that he turned water into wine. In John 4, he healed the son of the official in Capernaum. John 5, he healed the lame man in Bethesda. He, he gave food to 5,000 people. He walked upon the waters. Come on. I, he healed the blind man from birth. <laughs> he said, let their peace be still, and it was still. I'm talking about miracles, wonders. I'm talking about a creative power. I'm talking about limitless, hallelujah, anointing. I'm talking about a God that has no limitation. I'm talking about a God that has never lost a battle. I'm talking about a God with guaranteed authority, with guaranteed victory. I'm not talking about just anything that passes, that comes and goes. I'm talking about an eternal, almighty God. And he's saying, when you believe in me, you will do what I do. Oh, come on, somebody needs to rejoice because as I read uh, the testimony in the Bible, as I read uh, the acts of the church, I get excited because the promise is, if I can believe on him, I have access to that. If I can believe on him, I can touch the eternal. Uh, I can touch the supernatural. The extraordinary is what I am. Come on, you got to get excited because you're not just anybody. You got a promise from God in your life. You got access to supernatural power. But there's more. Look at somebody telling, but wait, there's more. That's not it. That's not where the scripture ends. Can we put that up there again? 
John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. But here's the heavenly vision. Not just enough. Not, not, not just, just to get you by. Not just what you've seen and what you've read. My God is a God of exceeding and abundantly above all you can ask, all you can imagine. Because he says, you're going to do what I've done. And, oh, there's something powerful. And God says, and, oh, <laughs> you, you ever go, you ever go to the supermarket? I, I go to the Mexican supermarket and I buy carne asada. Anybody like carne asada here? Man, and I got this this lady that, you know, she always hooks it up. And what I mean is that I'm like, give me five pounds of the arrachera preparada, the, the, the seasoned stuff. Don't give me none of that unseasoned mess. Come on, somebody. I said, give me the seasoned stuff. And she, all right, boom, 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 boom. She gets it. And it's a little over. It's a little over those two pounds that I asked. I'm like, you know what? Just leave it there. And the blessing of this, of this sister is that she puts the price and then she just grabs just, grabs just a little extra, just boom, just puts it on there. And ah, I feel an anointing right there. <laughs> you need to get excited because you don't serve a God that just gives you enough to get by. He's not a God that just, oh, just, just, just survive. Oh, no, exceeding and abundantly. He says, you're going to do great things. You're going to do mighty things. Read what I've done. That's what you're going to do. But that's not the end. I got an and for you. I got an extra for you. I got power you ain't ever seen. I got glory you haven't imagined. There are things that we rejoice about in the past, but that does not compare to all that God will do, all that he has prepared. Eyes have not seen. Come on, somebody. Ears have not heard. That's the heavenly vision that God has prepared for us. If you receive that vision, clap your hands. If you receive that blessing, clap your hands. Give them glory. Give them glory. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. But we need a vision. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you need a vision. If you ain't got no vision, you're lost. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. That means if you have no view of the future, if you have no plan for the... You ever met somebody that just lives for today? They talk about, oh, well, I'm living in the moment. I'm enjoying it. I tell them, you're dying. You got to live looking forward. You got to live beyond the moment. You got to live beyond yesterday. You've got to live thinking on what is to come. You know what's to come, brother. Let me just jump to, just to give you a little sneak peek. You know what's coming? Do you know what's coming to us? Heaven. Heaven. No more tears. No more pain. No more sickness. Oh, come on. Don't forget why we do what we do. We're not wasting time. We're not sitting here playing patty cake. I'm getting ready because one day I'm going to be walking on streets of gold in a perfect place with my creator. But people perish. They have no vision. They have no vision. According to the publication psychology today i looked up the daily life <clears throat> according to their description the daily life of someone who has no vision of the future and remember these aren't my words <sighs> when you have no vision or hope you see every effort to change your life as useless you blame yourself you can say 
You cannot deal with tomorrow. You cannot deal with your life. You can't make friends. You can't get a job. You accept that what happens to you is outside of your control and you become desperate. When you have no vision, no hope, you have no energy, no motivation to do anything to change your situation. What good is it to get to know people if you're sure you're going to be rejected? Why bother with doing exercise or cleaning your house or volunteering? You really will make no difference. You know that you will always be alone, depressed, anxious, unemployed, or trapped in the same situation that makes you feel miserable. You don't want to risk the pain of greater letdowns when you try. This describes the society we live in. Why try? Why go for it? Why stretch yourself? Anxiety and depression and, and, and unemployment and, and feeling trapped and feeling alone and being miserable. It's a society that lives without a vision for the future. It lives without a, a hope for something better. If you look around and this is as good as it gets, well, you know what? I'll be pretty depressed too. I'll be pretty down too if this is as good as it gets. I noticed a few more gray hairs this morning, brother. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's like the clock is ticking. It's good. I turned 35 this year. I was like, oh, gosh. I'm getting old. My, my, the youth back at my church, they're all in, you know, 25 and under. And so anytime they talk about my age, they call me senior citizen and And I don't believe them until I wake up one day feeling like I was like pulling an elephant, but really I just slept wrong. You know what I'm talking about? Man. Don't worry, Brother Lucas. You get there. Hallelujah. Without a goal, without a vision, without hope, the people perish. As I said, we're in a battle. We're in a war. This is daily. This is not something where you, you can just sit back and coast. We're not at peace. There's an enemy that is after everything that you have and everything that you hold dear, your family, your, your, your salvation itself, your church. They're after all of what we have. And I believe with all my heart that unless we understand the, the circumstances we're living in, the, the place that we're at, we could, by doing nothing, with our simple inaction, lose just by doing nothing. This is why we must look to the future. We must believe with all our heart that we're going to see things we've never seen. Seems so simple, right? But it's so powerful if you lean into it. You're going to see, you've seen some things. Look at your neighbor. Look at their face. They've seen some things. They, they, ooh, man, that's a, those eyes have seen some stuff. But you're going to see things you've never seen in the spirit. You're going you're gonna to do things that you've never done. Oh, I know you got a testimony. That ain't nothing. That's nothing. Hallelujah. You're going you're gonna to reach a level that you, oh, I know you're deep in the word. Oh, I, ooh, I know you're so deep into revelation. and you're, but you, That ain't nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. Brother, brother, sister, we're going to get into a level and a depth of revelation that we've never received before. We're going to get a level of anointing that we've never had before. We're going to, we're going to praise like we've never praised. We're going to sing like we've never sang. Oh, come on. We're going to serve like we've never served before. We're going to rejoice like we've never rejoiced before. How can I say that? How can I say that? 
because there's a heavenly vision for our lives. And maybe not everybody will capture and, and, and take hold of it and believe it, but the few that truly do, the few that say, you know what, my plans are good, but, but I want what you want, Lord. My, my thoughts are good and intentions are positive, but I want what you want for my life. God, I promise you, there are things that you cannot imagine. There are things that you cannot see. We were reading in Acts where, where, the, where the Apostle Paul came and he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That implies there's a possibility to be disobedient. It's possible for you to go against the heavenly vision. God being the eternal gentleman that he is, he will let you decide not to be in it. God isn't going to come over here and be like, you better follow me or, or else. No, no, no. You get to decide. And this is the powerful thing. You get to decide what you're going to do. Paul was, was walking down his religious path, and he had a couple PhDs, and he was, he was set in his eyes. He'd gone down the path, and, and he had studied with the, 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 the wisest and the greatest teachers of the time, and he had all that he had. And according to his understanding, according to his interpretation, he was doing the right thing. It's possible to come to your own conclusion and still be in conflict with God. It's possible to come to a, a good thing in your mind and be in conflict with what God wants in your life. That's why we must be willing to bend our knees and pray and say, God, I'm not asking you to do something. I'm asking you to show me something, God. Reveal where you want me to be. Reveal where you want me to go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I promise you, and Pastor Wisdom will be watching this. I promise you, your pastor will be so happy if he, he comes one 5 a.m. Do you guys do 5 a.m. prayer? Do you, when, when's prayer meeting? When's prayer meeting? Uh, Thursday, Thursday. He comes in on Thursday, and instead of people with laundry lists of, God, I need this, 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 and this, he hears a church filled with people saying, God, show us your will. God, show us your path. God, reveal to us your vision. What do you want for our lives? Where should we be? What should we do? You see, Paul did everything except that. And there's the flaw. We can lean so far into our humanism and our pride and our understanding and our opinions that we lose the will of God. He was killing, he was persecuting the people of God. That's how far your opinions can take you. That's how strayed you can become if you do not bend your knees and ask for the will and the vision of God for your life. Don't worry, nobody, all of those people, those rebellious people did not come to church today. Everybody here is living right. This is for them. They're going to watch it on the live stream and receive that word. Nobody here. We're all submitted, God. We are all here. But there's a heavenly vision. There's a divine plan. There's a hope that will take you beyond your past. It's going to take you beyond your doubts. It's going to take you beyond your anxieties, beyond your humanism, beyond your thoughts and opinions. But you must be willing to lay them down at the throne of grace. Lay them down at the feet of Jesus and say, this is who I am, but I want to be what you have called me to be. I want to see it through your eyes, God. We must reach the fullness of the glory, the fullness of his will. Because Paul was willing to do that, he then could testify he was not disobedient. We're moving along. Judges 16. We were reading to open here about Samson. And I've preached about Samson. I love the story because it just has so many, so many lessons for us. And, and you see, the thing about Samson is he was, he was chosen. He was anointed. 
you know, he did great things for God, but he was careless. He was negligent with the things that God had given him. Brother, sister, the anointing and the calling will never cover our negligence. It, it, being anointed and called doesn't mean we don't have to pay a price. Being the church doesn't mean we don't have to be, pay the price. Some people think that, oh, well, I was baptized in Jesus' name and I got the Holy Ghost and I got that Pentecostal tie or haircut or whatever. And now I'm all set and I don't got to do nothing. No, 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 no. That's the start. That's the beginning. Every day we must die to our passions and to our desires. Every day we must bend knees and say, Lord God, cleanse and wash me. Show me your path. Show me your will. I must be willing to sacrifice it all. Why? Because he gave it all. But, but Samson wanted to have it both ways. He wanted to be just spiritual enough to the next move of God. He said, just Christian enough to get to the next service. I, I, I don't know why the Spirit is taking me this way, but brother and sister, just enough is not enough. It's not enough. Just enough is, is a mediocre place that the enemy targets. You know why? Because he don't care about the cold people. They're, they're gone. He, he doesn't need to worry about them. The people on fire with God, he don't mess with them because they're too hot. It's the ones in the middle. It's the ones that are just, just hanging on by it. They're just enough Jesus, just enough world, just enough God, just enough Beyonce, just enough. Oh, come on. Just enough Holy Ghost and just enough sin. Just a, Samson's problem wasn't that he, he wasn't called or he didn't have that, that, that anointing that fall on, fell on him. It was that he was negligent. He was careless with what God had given him. The Bible in Revelation says, hold fast what you have that no man will take your crown. That means you can lose your salvation. You can lose your place. You can slip and fall. You can fall away. It is possible to reach heaven one day and be absolutely confused because the doors close in your face. It got heavy real quick, I know. But Samson shows us that being called isn't enough, being anointed isn't enough, uh, looking the part isn't enough. Remember, he had the hair, he had the, you know, it wasn't enough. His actions mattered. He had to live according to this. He had to, he had to decide every single day what he was going to be. That anointing, that call of God is just the starting point, is that kickoff point, but we must fight for what we have. The Word of God says that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. I was reading commentary. I was reading commentary on this, and it says that what, what, what is widely accepted is that that is pointing towards a city surrounded on all sides being attacked constantly by an army or a host that wants what is inside. I was like, whoa, that's a, that's a crazy way to think about it. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. There it's surrounded by things that want to attack and take what is inside. I was like, okay, so let me apply it to my life. If the kingdom of heaven rests here, that means everything around me, the enemy that surrounds me, wants to come and attack constantly, 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 and chip away and chip away and chip away to take what is inside. But that means that what is inside is valuable. What you have is valuable. And the enemy knows it, sometimes more than us. You're over there looking in the mirror thinking you're nothing 
when the enemy sees eternity inside of you. He sees salvation and peace and hope and joy inside of you. But the scripture does it. It says, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. That means somebody has to stand up and say, oh yeah, I know the enemy's after me. I know he's attacking me. Oh, but I'm going to stand for what I am and for what I've received and for what I believed. And somebody's got to stand up in this generation, in this day and age, in this society and say, I'm going to retain what I was given. I will not lose my place. Samson lost it, and now he's lost his vision, and he's being led around by a child. As I was reading through this story once again, I was like a child, a child, and then Ephesians 4.14 came up in my mind, and I began to read it, and it describes what that's like. It says, we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. When you lose your vision, the heavenly vision, this describes how quickly you're removed. Wind of doctrine takes you this way. And lies take you that way. And, and cunning takes you this way. And craftiness and, and gossip takes you this way. And society pushes you that way. You lost your vision. And, and, and yes, you got the calling. And yes, you got, you got a, anointing. And there's potential. And there's, but because you can't see anymore. Because the vision isn't with you anymore. You push to the left and to the right so easily. I fear. I fear how many Christians have been pushed as a result of a lack of vision, as a result of this. Because the biggest devastation, as I, as I read the story, was not that, oh, I'm not strong anymore. Or that they cut my hair or that they made fun of me. His, he was so devastated because he could no longer see. He couldn't see anymore. I'll show you what I mean. Verse 28. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. Sorry, Judges 16, 28. I pray thee, only this once, God, that I may be once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. He didn't desire to be strong again. He desired to see again. He didn't desire to be back with mom and dad and, and rejoice. He decided to see. He wanted to see again. Because without a vision, brother and sister, we cannot move forward. Without a vision, we cannot step out of this, this, this low place we find ourselves in. Without a vision, we lose sight of the reality of what we're living. This is not a peaceful time. This is war. This is battle in the spirit. We're fighting against, against forces that want to come and tear apart our families and our churches and our belief and our foundations. But brother and sister, we become blind to the things of this world. And he says, Lord God, give me one more chance. Give me one more opportunity. Give me something, God, so that I can take vengeance for my eyes, for the vision. Brother, sister, let us wake up to the fact that if we have a vision, if we have that heavenly vision, no matter what comes, we press forward. No matter what happens, we press forward. We can be pressed on all sides, but if 
if we have a heavenly vision, we will make it. We can be even in defeat and we can be in valleys and we can be enslaved. But if we have a heavenly vision, brother, sister, it is not over there. If we can see as heaven sees, we will make it forward. We will press forward. Second Kings six nineteen six seventeen. Second Kings six seventeen. But your perspective is your reality. What you see is your reality. Sometimes it's not the reality, but it's your reality. And here's what I mean. Elisha and his servant were in the same place, same circumstances. <laughs> they were in the same little house. But they saw two very different things. Elisha prayed. He said, God, open this man's eyes. I'm giving you my version. You can read it if you want to be formal. But he said, get this guy. Get your guy, God. Open his eyes. And immediately his eyes were opened and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. Up until this point, if you know the story, that servant had been negative. He'd been pessimistic. He'd been unbelieving. He'd been discouraged. You know why sometimes, maybe not you, but that person, just imagine, just that imaginary person is always a negative voice. It's always the first. I mean, pastor don't even fight the devil anymore. He fights the saints. Not you guys. Remember, I'm not, no, y'all are the good ones. Y'all are here. The negative ones stayed home because it was raining, right? It was a perception problem. It was a sight problem. All he saw was defeat. All he saw was his enemy. All he saw was terrible. It was bad. It was excuses. It was the reason not to. It was the obstacles that were to come. How are we going to make it? How are we going to grow? How are we going to build that 15th church? How many churches are you at now? Like 16 churches you've built or something like that? Right? Crazy. How are we going to build another one? Brother Lucas. <laughs> but thank God for an Elisha. Thank God for a man of God in our lives. Somebody that did not allow himself to be moved by the false perspective of another of somebody who could not see heavenly vision heavenly impact and heavenly things oh where he saw death Elisha saw life where he, where he saw sickness Elisha saw healing where he saw defeat there was victory where he saw drought there was divine provision where he saw a, an armed enemy he saw chariots of fire and you can read the story. The man of God, he just, I, I imagine him just rolling his eyes. I was just like, man, this guy. How did you make it this far, bro? My goodness. He says, just before he even prays, he says, fear not, for they that be with us are more. I mean, the, the, the guy was sitting there being negative. Look, if you got somebody being negative in your life and pessimistic and just, just all the excuses and all the bad stuff, first of all, don't hang out with them. That's bad for you, all right, first. But, but before you leave, just declare a word of faith. 
All right? Declare a word of faith, of power, of authority in the name of Jesus. You know, because, because that's what he did. That's what Elisha did. This man was talking about how bad it was outside and all the enemy and everything like that. And he said, don't be afraid. Because greater are they that are with us than are with them. I bet you, oh, look. I bet you that servant looked at him like, what? The pastor done gone crazy. Pastor's nuts. Pastor's lost it. What do you mean? We've got nothing. We've got nobody. All we have are, are, it's just me and you. (laughs) He declared it before he was able to see, sorry, before he was able to see it. He declared it before the provision had arrived. He, even though that healing still had not arrived, even though the soul still hadn't been saved, even though that building hadn't been built, even though the thing hadn't happened yet, the door was still closed. He declared, fear not. Fear not, people of God, because greater is he that is with us. And I want to declare right now upon you, I don't know your life. I don't know your circumstance, but I don't have to. All I have to tell you today is what the Bible says. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Why? Because greater is he that is with you than he that is in the world. Oh, you got to connect to that heavenly vision that says, oh, it looks impossible to me, but thank God. I serve a God of impossible. Oh, it looks like it can't happen, but thank God. I serve a God that can make things happen. He can make a way where there's no way. He can move you forward when you didn't think you could. He can lift you up when you are done. And after he declared the word, I'm going to declare a word on you guys today. You do whatever you want with it. I'll just, in Jesus' name. Then he prayed. And he said, God, open his eyes. Open his eyes. And that's going to be my prayer for you today. I'm not going to sit here and just just snot and, you know, I'm not, no, no, no. I'm going to just declare in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, open their eyes. Let them see as you see. Let them see what you see. We've been wasting so much time worrying about our human perspective and our human capabilities and and limitations and the things that the enemy is trying to do and and what society and all that. But you know what? It's time to see as heaven sees. Let's see beyond. Let's see forward. Let's see what's to come. I'll, I'll close with this. Here's the powerful part right here. Look. When the Bible says that it opened his eyes, that Jesus, the God opened his eyes and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire, fire round about Elisha. God did not take away the enemy. The enemy was still there. All right, so just imagine. They're in the center, surrounded by the enemy. And then there was a mountain. There's mountains around them. I'm just, just imagining. When God opened his eyes, he did not remove the enemy. He allowed him to see beyond his enemy. All right? So what we pray today is not, God, transport me beyond. God doesn't, that's not how God works. You got you to go through something. We're in this world. We're going to be human. We're not superhuman. Ain't nobody here with hidden wings and just ready to go. No, we're going to live through it. We're going to go through it. But here's what the heavenly vision implies. This is everything that I've been talking about. It allows you to see beyond your enemy. To not be lost focusing on just what's in front of you. Not be lost focusing on the pain and the trauma and the things that you go through in this life. 
we, we, we sometimes get so lost in that and I've, I've, I've heard it from a lot of different people where they say just how could God let this happen and how could this this go on and if it was a loving and true God and all this what you know what we don't have to understand the why we just have to be able to see it the way heaven does at the end of the story flip to the end flip to the end we win we make it we go forward we celebrate in heaven and all the pain all the difficulty all the sickness everything that you go through it's not even going to matter it's no more it's no more the heavenly vision brother, sister friend is the way God sees things we see what's in front of us and the enemy and, and the difficulty and the pain but right before he went to the cross in his flesh just like us he said you know what if it's possible let this cup pass from me but let it not be my will the heavenly vision looked forward 2,000 years and saw that that sacrifice would be worth it because there would be a group in Vacaville that needed that perfect blood there's a group in Vacaville that needed that forgiveness and restoration. Oh, there was a, there was a few people in Vacaville that needed to, to reach towards the mercy seat. And as he was in pain and, 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 and struggle and so much weight, the heavenly vision, he saw beyond it. He saw beyond it. Why don't you stand with me? We are not alone. You are not alone. There's heaven at your disposal. There's creative power at your disposal on your side. There are chariots of fire surrounding you. You've focused too long on your enemy. You've focused too long on the difficulty and hardship of life. And I'm here to tell you, as Paul did, let's not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul was persecuted. Look, check it out. Paul's idea took him through prestige and being feared. God's path took him through persecution and pain. But at the end, it took him to the depths of revelation that we've never, we've never seen, never received. And I ask you, which is which is better? Which is better, the human way and the opinion to take you to? everything you think is good and, and all right or an eternity an eternity in glory and power oh God is calling us will you be disobedient will you reject the vision he has for you Jeremiah 29 11 says for I know the thoughts that I think toward you thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And I ask myself, what expectation? His expectation. You know, he expects of your end. His expectation of your end is not in a hole. It's not in hell. His expectation of your end is right alongside him. One day in heaven. Come on, who's ready to go? Who wants to do? The Amplified Version says that I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you. He's got a plan for your life. 
I want to invite you to come to this altar right now. Come on up to this altar right now. If you're ready to step into the plan of God. If you're ready to step into His vision for your life. Come on, that's it. I invite you to come on forward. Take that step of faith. Knowing that everything you've imagined, everything you've thought up has been, it's been good. It's not bad, but what about what God wants for me? What about where God wants to take me? Come on, that's it, that's it. In the name of Jesus, God, I ask you, open their eyes. Let them see, God. Let them see all the things that you want to reveal. Let them see all the things that are to come, God. That this earth and the struggle, the daily struggle, God, that we go through, the pain and sickness, God, Father, that we must wait, wear and, ha- and, and, and carry, God, that's nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed within us. Come on, lift up your hands right now and say, Lord God, let me see what you see. Let me see as you see, God. Oh, let me see me. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.